Hello, and welcome to the first recorded gathering of the Conscious Community Cafe. My name is Misha. We recorded the in-person gathering, which took place on Sunday, April 15, 2018, in London, Ontario, Canada, at the Gartshore Residence. We're now sharing that conversation so that anyone who was not able to attend can still participate virtually. These recordings also serve as a community connection between gatherings, reminding us that we're not alone, and we belong to a community that appreciates and values each one of us. The previous episode, number one, was a conversation leading up to this gathering about our intention and the vision for the Conscious Community Cafe and its gatherings. I'm really sorry for the volume balancing shortcomings of this episode. I've been paralyzed by a lack of technical expertise around podcasting for a few years now. So at this point in my process, the priority is to just not get stuck and keep creating and learning the technical stuff as I go. We're working on improving the sound quality, and in the meantime, we still want to give access to what we have so far. Thanks for your patience and trust in this process. We deeply appreciate your time and attention in listening, and would love to hear your feedback about these recordings and the gathering. Please enjoy and keep in touch. start to have strong exhales and start to 
enunciate a little more clearly, maybe. Maybe the voice will raise in pitch. And if you start to feel attacked, you may start to hold the breath, and everything will go within. The voice will get quieter. You'll stop enunciating so clearly. And so just by keeping an even breath, we can keep ourselves in the conversation. That fight or flight mechanism that wants to take over, that changes the brain chemistry, that changes, makes the blood vessels constrict, all of those things can be held at bay by just keeping the breath steady and even. And it seems so simple, but it's not easy to do all the time. And so I just invite you, as we go through our conversations today, to notice how you're breathing. Is your breathing changing in response to the way someone speaks? Do you feel more open and relaxed and present when one person is speaking? And do you feel you want to disengage and check out when another person is speaking? Just all of those things. Another thing we were talking about is that um, just as there are stages of behavioral development, cognitive development, emotional development, all of these things. People believe there are stages of conscious development, stages of awareness. And so there's a time when it's all about me and it's just about survival and that's appropriate. We never want that to go away. There's a time when it's about my family, my community, my country. But more and more, we're in a time where it has to be about our world. And how do we do that? How do we transcend our differences and include one another as we move forward? Um, the people who talk about consciousness color code them. They say we go from red to amber to orange to green and so on. And one of the things that happens when we try to be in a conscious conversation is so often somebody's talking green and another person is talking orange. And so it's not even so much that we disagree with each other, but that we are coming to one another with very different points of view. If, in fact, we are the ones in the conversation who feel like we know more than the other person, then we are responsible for going to them, not them to us, because you can't know what you don't know. And I think that that is one of the difficult things. And to go to a person with great understanding because if they truly are at something we've already been through, we should understand it. We should know how to be there with them. And so in this practice, it's not about getting somebody to change. It's about learning how to be with them. And uh, the people who teach uh, the spiral dynamics, these uh, areas of consciousness, would say that you can't change anybody else's mind what you can do is help them to be the best they can possibly be, and they will change themselves. And so I've always felt that's kind of a beautiful place to come from. So as we're in our listening, and as we speak, can we speak from the truth of our heart, and can we have genuine curiosity, and can we just see what it is people want from a community? And I've asked some people from the Guard Shore to come and join us today because I think this is an extraordinary community. And I hope you won't all be in one group when we split up to talk. I hope you'll sort of spread yourselves around because something magical happens in the way that we live together here. And um, I'm sure that all of you have belonged to communities where you've had really extraordinary experiences, where you've had things that haven't gone so well. You've maybe got cold feet, wondering what you're doing here. But I just hope that as we go through some of this, that you can just keep breathing and being mindful of it and being curious about what might happen today. The last thing I'll say is I think that what has happened for me is I always have the things I think I know or that I've learned. And then as soon as I get with another person, I start learning things I had no idea about and they had no idea about. And if we hadn't been together, we wouldn't have learned it. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping for today. Thank you, Justin. So just to kind of place us where we are here, um, especially you may have noticed that we're recording, um, and some of you may have listened to um, our conversation, which we included um, 
meetup group. Um, and so just so that you're aware, we're not going to be recording any of the parts that anybody shares. We're recording the parts that the four of us are sharing. Um, and so we won't be, your, your privacy is respected in that respect. Um, and also, we're recording also for the people who weren't able to make it today. So there are a lot of people in our community um, who weren't able to make it for the weather and for different reasons, and this way we can include them as well. So, so that they know we're sitting in a circle, uh, there are about 20 of us in the room, um, and we're in London, Ontario. And so, um, also to place a little bit of this community, th this gathering is called the Conscious Community Cafe. And um, I met Jocelyn a little over a year ago in, in the neighborhood, in Wortley Village and we were at a meditation group in Wortley Village, and we just got to talking and kind of, you know, felt, felt, felt love and connection and appreciation and mutual respect, and uh, we wanted to share that, and Jocelyn included me and in, invited me into her community, which is where I met Ben and Ramola, and the same thing happened for me where I felt this really strong connection, and part of my self-care and the foundation of how I'm taking care of myself in the world is about building a really strong foundation for myself so that I can feel um, strong and empowered to go out in the world and serve um, and do the kind of activism that my heart is, is called to do. Um, and so keep the mic with your mouth. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the voice teacher keeps me in line. <laughs> um, and so for me, and, and I don't want to repeat too much of what was in the first recording in case some people have listened to it, but I also want to respect that we did cover a lot of what our intention was in that recording, um, was that these four people um, are dear friends to me. And um, and I just, I really want to invest my time and energy into building and collaborating with them. And so the best way that I know how to do that is to make something and to build community and um, I grew up with a lot of sports. I played on eight teams for South Secondary High School. Um, I, I, the eldest of six kids, I, that's my nature is to kind of bring people together. Um, and so it was really important for me, and I'm really grateful that you've all come out here, as Jocelyn said so courageously. Um, in our, this is our first gathering. Jocelyn's been hosting gatherings for a number of years. Um, this is the first one. We really want to build a, a resource for all of us here and to get everybody's input about how to do that best. And so we're just going to take a few minutes each to just introduce ourselves. Um, I grew up in London, Ontario. My name is Misha. Um, I've been living in Europe for the past 10 years. I studied architecture and um, the economic development of the creative economies. And I'm very focused in creative industries and emotional intelligence. And I went out in the world and I had some pretty wild experiences. I worked for the UN in Paris um, where I was working on a project where cities were being certified as creative cities by UNESCO. Um, and then I started working in building um, different offices and, and hotels in Paris so doing cross-cultural uh, diplomacy and intercultural management where I was working largely with Anglophone clients, um, and my main project was building Google's office in Paris. Um, and my experience was that I got myself to this place where I felt like I could really use my power, but I was totally overwhelmed. Um, I had an eating disorder. I was I was totally engrossed in my eating disorder that was consuming most of my day, and I didn't know how to actually be strong in that place because I hadn't maintain sort of the community foundation that I needed there. Um, and so since I came back to London, I've, I've received treatment and um, a year uh, really stable with my relationship with food, which is amazing. I didn't think that was possible. Um, and so it's now become so important for me to really take this kind of exquisite care of myself. And I really appreciate each of you being here and sort of being this support for me today. Um, and I and I want to be in service of that as well. Um, so I'm really looking forward to sharing this with you all. Thanks, Misha and Jocelyn. My name is Ben Porchuk, and I, I feel really honored to be with these power women. 
seriously. It, it feels like an honor because it's it's the feels like the day and age that women really need to be uh, at the forefront of a lot of the changes that need to happen. And that doesn't mean that uh, men should just be quiet and not do anything. But it's definitely a role of support and, and you know letting ego go and and doing it in a completely new way. And, and the epitome of for me. This day was something I just saw, and I love that. I love being <laughs> observant. I know I'm supposed to mention myself, but I, there was a woman in the door there with carrying a child. She was a blonde woman walking towards the door. My reaction was to get up and help her. And then she wasn't getting any closer, and I realized she wasn't a younger woman like I thought. She was an older woman. She was on a treadmill, and I was seeing her reflection <laughs> in the mirror as she's walking on a treadmill, and there I was like, trying to to help her, and she wasn't going anywhere, right? And I think a lot of us can experience that in parts of our lives. So. Um, but as far as I go, I, I grew up just north of Toronto uh, on a quarter horse farm in a little town called Virginia. And uh, I, for one reason or another, I couldn't stay on a horse. I constantly was thrown off horses, and that really inspired me to get into other animals like pigeons and turtles and snakes, anything I could find. I was really inspired by that. And uh, for uh, my, my training, my professional training, I became a wildlife biologist, and that through one experience or another, I ended up moving to Pelee Island, where I was studying one of the rarest snakes in North America called the Blue Racer. And I'd never heard of Pelee Island as a 22-year-old grad student. Um, but I embraced it and uh, ended up buying a small farm there and living off the grid. Stayed for 12 years. I thought I would never leave. I created with the World Wildlife Fund an organization called the Wilds of Pelion, uh, where we had wind turbines, solar panels, composting toilets, collected rainwater, uh, engaged students in research and restoration. And then after 12 years, at the end, I ended up getting voted off the island, which was <coughs> very fitting because I, <coughs> and not literally, but almost literally, and that was exactly what I needed needed and so in addition to writing a children's adventure novel called The Whispering Acorn which is not published yet I started working later on when I came back to the city on a book called Right Action Man and it was about men in relationship with with their their partners with their children with the environment with spirit with all these things uh, because I found as an adult male there were a couple of really key things that blocked me from my success, right? My happiness, my peacefulness with who I am and what I have achieved and what I haven't achieved, right? So just with who I was. And uh, along that way, um, there were a number of key things that, that led me to that personal discovery of why I really needed to um, discover things within instead of outside. Up until that point, I was this great outdoors explorer and uh, conquered nature, thought I knew nature and thought it was a part of me, but the process of, uh, you know, there were times where I was alone for three weeks on this island in my little cabin with hardly any electricity, and I thought I was in heaven, but really I was running away from the world, even though it was quite enjoyable. Uh, so through uh, coming to the mainland, so getting off the island and embracing a family, I'm in a blended family now with uh, a lot of kids, um, a lot of these really key lessons um, came to fruition for me so much so, and I joked on our previous recording that one of my chapters about Pelee Island is called The Man Who Couldn't See the Writing on the Wall Because the Elephant in the Room Was Too Big. <laughs> and that really epitomized a lot for me, and still does at times when I, when I choose to block myself, whether consciously or subconsciously. So I'll pass it on to a moment. Thank you. I also feel very privileged to be uh, starting this project with Jocelyn and Nisha and Ben uh, because these are the kinds of conversations that I feel are so meaningful. My name is Ramola Porchuk. I have a medical background and I did a doctorate in clinical and organizational psychology. And what I am passionate about is this conversation of consciousness, our alignment as human beings with self and whatever else is out there. And how does that impact us to become aligned as individuals within business, within corporation, within community and culture? And how does that, how does that translate? So my work in the world is 
also with individuals helping align and organizations helping align. But my passion is that conversation about how do we create consciousness in different ways and have conversations with those that are different from us and the same as us to continue to generate connection. Because from that connection, I feel like we as a culture evolve. And that evolution is so important uh, if we take the time. And I think in a time of a lot of disparity and dissonance, it's even more important to, to spend time connecting so that we have little pockets that can continue to co-create. And my journey on this path uh, started at the very beginning. I have a, an incredibly uh, large, very successful family that just assumes you're going to do, you know, at least medical law, doctoral studies. And ran into some professors that started asking about consciousness and quantum physics and inspired me to look at what is that confluence, what is the day-to-day -day wellness, and what is alignment. And in so doing, had many challenges personally. How do we interact with truth? How do we really interact with my truth versus somebody else's? Is there a capital truth to be true? How do we connect over things like right and wrong? What are ethics? What is and in that journey, realized that there were a lot of times I became uh, into values that the overculture would probably advocate, control, protection, fear, ego. And in, in pursuing success in that way, it actually takes you away from real success. And what does real success have as its underpinnings? And I found that love, light, truth, and peace really underpinned a different kind of success. And how do you embody those? How do you articulate those? And that's been a big part of my journey, about how to articulate and make those as conscious as the other things that we have uh, underpinning our cultural norms. And so that brings me to this kind of conversation, which allows us to explore together and us to really talk about those kinds of things. And when Misha said, you know, we keep talking about these things when we meet, wouldn't it be cool to put that out there and so that other people get to feel like they're having tea with us. And wouldn't it be even cooler to bring people within our immediate community and have that conversation and broaden that? Uh, so this just is so inspiring for me. I really appreciate being part of this. And I'll pass this to Jocelyn. I also just want to mention on the table back there by that door, there are two keys. One says women's, one says men's. And if anybody needs a washroom, you take a key, and if you go out the door and turn left, and then a quick right, the, the women's is first, and then the men's. Um, and I realized I didn't introduce myself, and I often don't. I just did an interview for someone, and she said, we have to redo it. You didn't tell us who you are. <laughs> um, I also grew up in a large farm, uh, a large family in a, on a farm in southern Saskatchewan. And my mother has the hospitality gene. And we always would have 30, 40 people for Sunday dinner, and she would just throw on a meal, and the house was full. There were people around all the time. We had large families. There were 12 in Dad's family and 10 in Mother's. So there were plenty of relatives, and when they weren't available, there were neighbors. So I've had that. Um, when I went to New York City, I had that gene you know, to gather people. So I started on the seventh floor of the Breton Hall, and uh, very nervously, printed out some invitations, because we would all see each other at the elevator and nobody would speak. Who didn't say hello? And I thought, this is just so bizarre. And so I put out invitations and said, I'm hosting a potluck. My apartment door will be open. Come. And about half the people nervously came. And after about the second glass of wine, everybody opened up. And by the end of the night, we were all around my grand piano screaming Bob Dylan songs at the top of our lungs. And, and it was wonderful. And then over, over the years, we had a bass player, a pianist, a, a really amazing jazz flautist, a harp player. And all, all these people, everybody brought their instruments, and it just turned into this wonderful thing. And then uh, I um, went out to California for a Gather the Women conference. And so then I thought, well, International Women's Day, I'll have a gathering. And I just put a notice up, and just anybody in New York City could come to my apartment. <laughs> 
people thought that was so bizarre that I would do that. But we had the most wonderful group of women. Now, I had a tiny apartment. And so we put all the chairs around the outside, and people sat on cushions on the inside. And it was just wall-to-wall -wall people, and it was wonderful. And so I've always had that um, just joy in having people come together and, and um, learn about each other. And, and knowing that even in New York City, there was this incredible community. I went to a laundromat across the street. Somebody left their money on the machine, and a week later, it was still there. You don't think about that in New York City. But it's possible for us to have community anywhere. So that's always been a thing with me. After 9-11, people were quite bereft. And a lot of people didn't have a church or any place to go. So I just started having circles in my apartment where people could come and be together and talk. Um, and so I have a lot of um, experience with not knowing what's going to happen and not being too worried about it. And one of the things that I really hope will come from today is what could happen. You know, what, what would you want from a conscious community cafe? And what would bring you back? What would keep you in the conversation? What would keep you engaged? Personally, what keeps me engaged always is the children. Um, I want desperately to create a world that I want them to live in. Thank you, Jocelyn. Um, would you present um, sort of the guidelines of oh, the conversation okay. now? Thank you. Another one of my gathering things was something I call generative conversation. And I found it was really, really helpful to just have some, some guidelines. So we all will share responsibility for the conversation. So um, if a couple of people are starting to get into it, it can be hard to notice that you're at odds with one another and really starting to engage. But I remember one conversation so beautifully. Somebody in the circle just said, I think the sword just entered the table. And everybody just sort of went, oh yeah. And the two people said, oh yeah, and just stopped. And so we, any of us can be the person who says the sword has just entered the table. We can all take responsibility for it. Um, but then just as an orchestra has a conductor, there will be facilitators when we break up today. Each of us will just sort of um, hold the space for the circle and help to keep it moving to oversee the weaving of the conversation. And we thought we'd experiment with our times being shared. What often happens when we come together for these kinds of conversations is one or two people just sort of take over the conversation. And I found a really good way to deal with that is just we'll each talk for three minutes at a time. And when your three minutes is up, we'll just pass it on. Okay? And just see how that works for you, how it feels. We'll honor our individuality as well as our connectedness. Um, this isn't about making nice and disappearing for the sake of the conversation. The only way it really works is if we come forward with our truth. That's our grace. That's what we have to share with one another. Um, and so we can do that. And we can respond with our wholeness, too. But when someone is talking, while they're talking, we'll avoid giving feedback and advice. We'll just really listen. And um, maybe even track our bodies and see if we're getting irritated and th or if we feel open-hearted. We'll seek new levels of understanding that both include and transcend our separate views and understandings. I spoke on that a little before. I'm always amazed, and this happens for me with children, it happens with everyone. You're talking, and all of a sudden you're aware of something you never thought of before. And they never thought of it. It just happens because we're together. So we'll seek that. And we will be committed to each other in the time we share as best we can. Um, we won't let our minds wander or plan dinner or a million other things we have to do. We'll try to really stay in the circle. Is there any question about that or anybody who feels a disagreement, that it just feels too rigid or anything? Are we okay with it? If not, you can bring it up in the group conversation. <laughs> I just wanted to mention one of the publications I'm really well known for is The Wharton Villager. I have a, a little article I read that's supposed to be a joke. 
Um, <laughs> distribution is a couple thousand people, but I, I wanted to write the next article on this group. So if I'm taking a couple of photos and somebody doesn't want to be in it, just let me know and I'll try to get someone else. So I think the intention now is we've sort of outlined kind of a bit of structure and, um, and, and introduced ourselves and we're going to have a little chat, the four of us, um, for about 10 or 15 minutes and um, about some topics and then we'll sort of invite a similar kind of conversation and it's from smaller groups. Um, and so we'll be trying to use these guidelines that we've just described. So we'd invite you to participate. If you feel like we're not adhering to the guidelines, please let us know. Um, this is also for us to practice our skill at, at connecting in our community. So is there anything that, um, that, that comes to mind that anybody wants to share about to start? The weather, maybe? <laughs> Anything coming up for you? Well, one of the things I could start with um, that comes to mind for me is really around like leaning in to support each other. And I really appreciate when, when people come to support me and, and try these things that they don't really know what's going to happen, but their willingness to just show up and be present. And, um, and, and I, last weekend, Ben, you had a presentation, um, and Ramola, you guys had a booth at the Go Wild, Grow Wild, did I say it right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, great. Um, event, um, expo, and I was just so struck that for me, I mean, I'm, I'm also fascinated by the topic that you were talking about, but I also was just so moved by the opportunity to get to stand and support you. Um, and to just receive you in your brilliance, to really watch you shine, and to just get to feel that radiance. Um, and so I think oftentimes there's a way that when we come together, we sort of feel like we're supposed to do something or accomplish something, or um, there's supposed to be some certain outcome. And, and I just felt so honored that you shared that opportunity for me to get to, to lean into our friendship that way. Um, and just really see you in your brilliance. Yeah, thanks. That was a, it, it was seemingly very subtle, and yet the, the talk I was giving, it was set up so there's a podium here, and the, the, the slides of your talk were right behind you, so every time you click the slide, it, um, there wasn't a computer. So I, I was really thrown off, and so were the other speakers. So I, what I would say is that when I subtly saw you and Bobby there, I, I kind of smiled and realized I've just got to go on my own. And, and try not to follow the format and uh, get a, a peek here and there. So yeah, there, there are definitely, um, you know, and, and it's also the thing that we've, we've um, both of us, we, we often talk about why are we in London, Ontario? Uh, because we didn't grow up here and it's not, it's not Paris or New York or some place that you think about a lot. Uh, but I, I've realized over the last 10 to 15 years that I've been here off and on that it really doesn't matter where you are. Uh, you'll find a lot of people that really resonate with how you feel. And uh, in the last few years particularly, um, my family have found so many people that we've connected with so strongly that it really feels like home in the last few years. Uh, so, and you are a big part of that, and so is Jocelyn and a few other people that we've just met and happen to be at the right stage in life where we can really share time together. So, yeah, I, I, that was great. Thank you. I think one of the things that we as community often struggle with is that space between our own lives and how we participate in supporting each other, activism, connection, where is the time? And that idea of time and space being something that's led rather than something that's just so structured. I think our Western society does a lot of work with, you know, I have to go here, I have to get this done, this is the day I do this task. And so how do we get available to that space that says, oh, my friend is doing this thing, or they're getting ready for whatever, how do I go support them? And sometimes it's just going over and saying, can I move a couple boxes? Can I help you know, take you out for tea? Can I do something that, and that awareness I find only comes to me when I take a look around at the people in my circle sometime during my day, and just do a quick scan, that awareness of, 
oh, I should really call so-and-so and check in. And it usually comes up that they're going through something and I should be there. And I find that when I haven't done that, I ignore people. I can get so caught up in my day-to-day -day whatever. And it's busy enough that I don't have to look at other things, but I can usually make the time if I want. That really, that really hit me. Um, that's a consciousness that has really changed for me in recent years. I'm much more likely to make the phone call, to take the time, to um, to do, and and I have to say that it has been hugely healing for me. Um, there's there's no time that I have ever shown up that it hasn't filled me as much of not more than the person I thought I was showing up for, and. Um, I remember years ago when I first started teaching, some young person was leaving my studio and I thought, they're so lucky, they're getting things from me I never got. <laughs> it's quite an arrogant thought, but you know, it was the thought. But what I realized in that moment was that I had just gotten it too. That by being willing to enter into relationship with them and come up with what I felt was needed in the situation, I was giving it to myself as much as I was giving it to them. And that was a, a very pivotal leap of consciousness for me. Because you read about these things, you know, be the love you want to see. It sounds so good, but until you have a visceral experience of it, it doesn't feel real. It's just something you believe. It's not something you embody. It's not something you're living. And um, so, unless I'm in relationship, unless I'm in community, I don't embody it, I don't live it. I just sit around and think it. I read it, it sounds really good. And then, again, we, if anybody answered the call to come here today, chances are we're pretty like-minded people and we're gonna have a pretty lovely conversation. But then, can I use this as a practice to go out into the world and um, have it influence the way I treat somebody who steps in front of me in line at the grocery store or, you know, just all those various interactions that come up. If I can have a community of people that uplift me and sustain me and where I get to practice being my whole and best self, can, that, can I then take that out and invite somebody else who might not be in that space to enter it with me. Um, so that's where that went. <laughs> Thank you. It, it really speaks to um, this idea of leadership for me, where I think when we get together like this, oftentimes some of the feedback that we got in preparation for this was people were worried about would they have to present something or did they have to bring some special skill or knowledge? And for me, it's really about remembering that we're all leaders. We're leaders of our partnerships, we're leaders of our families, we're leaders of our neighborhoods, we're leaders amongst our colleagues. There's so many communities that we are part of and that we are leaders within. And we don't have to have any special titles about that. Um, and so what was coming to mind for me when you guys were sharing was really the space around, for me, my challenge is to lead with vulnerability. It's been, um, it's the hardest thing for me to do and it is the most uh, rewarding thing for me to do. And that check of, for me, I have a really hard time calling people. I isolate, especially when I need support. And so for me to remember like, okay, this is a moment that I could be a leader and I could share my vulnerability and I could create the space for intimacy. That I offer my vulnerability as an investment in our intimacy, in our connection. Um, and it's terrifying sometimes. It's like, uh, I have to do it again, again. And, and you know, I've had many sort of beautiful um, partnerships that have not 
that have kind of lasted as long as they could, but I just kept getting it stuck at the same spot where I just couldn't, I couldn't really say what was real for me. And sometimes that includes saying the hard thing. It's saying sometimes to the person that might step in front of us in line, you know, oh, excuse me, like, I'm, I'm, it's okay. It's not necessarily with, like, a mad, bad intention, but to just say, like, oh, I'm here too, because maybe they're not aware. It's not about assuming that they're trying to hurt me, but it's just alerting them to the fact that we're in relationship now. And I learned this in France where, um, you know, the, in Canada, our culture is very polite. And so we would move towards apologizing for the person that just bumped into us. And in France, they were so confused when I was doing this. They were just like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what are you saying? Why are you apologizing? What happened? Like, what did you do that you need to apologize for? Like, I was sort of like, I've done something behind the scenes. Um, and so I had to really learn to adjust that, to figure out, well, what is the authentic thing to say? And I would notice it in the grocery store, in the lines, where when somebody would sort of cut in front of them, the person in line wouldn't say, oh, sorry, you just cut in front of me. They would say, like, oh, there's a line. But they would say it nicely. And if the person chose to stay there, that was fine, too. It, well, there wasn't any judgment, but it was just alerting them to the fact that we're all here together. So, um, and that's, that's also the hard, one of the hardest things for me to do, is lead with vulnerability and in anger. It's like, it feels so good to give you a compliment and to feel like, great, we have all these warm, fuzzy feelings now, but to actually say the thing that's like, you know, that didn't feel very good. And now we have to have a conversation about that. Like, oh. um, and so I hope that, that this community can be a space that we can practice that too, because I, I need that practice. <laughs> I also feel that vulnerability takes us out of the should and the intellectualizing of a topic. The vulnerability takes us into, this is how I experience it. So it's not about right and wrong. It's about this is how it lives in me. And I'm finding, as we talk intergenerationally, we have you know adult kids now. And as we talk about uh, real differences in politics, and we talk about differences in ideas between just people in our circles, I think it's so important to lead from the vulnerability and the humanity because when we're just talking the ideology, whether it's you know the Me Too movement or whether it's um, political leanings or whether it's social media, we can get so entrenched, or I can even get so entrenched in the, but this is such an important topic. This is so meaningful that women are speaking out, or it's so meaningful that we don't get caught up in societal norms from social media. But when we take a step back and ground into, how do I feel about that? Well, I feel disconnected from you when you say that. Or I feel upset because I think somebody has been disempowered. It takes it down to a way of communicating, I think, that when we can be in that vulnerability, it transcends some of the shoulds and the ideology. And I think that's so meaningful. And I struggle with it because I do believe in certain and I want to create certain awarenesses and consciousness. consciousness. And yet, when I pull it back into vulnerability, I, we co-create more together. And I don't care who the other is. And, and it goes at a pace that is possible for both people. And I, so I think that it's so important that you said that. Because I struggle. Because as a physical woman, as a minority, as somebody who had to be strong and successful to get certain places, Strength has always been something that's been really promoted, especially when I was young and having children. It shouldn't impact because if not, you weren't cut for the job. And so I showed strength all the time. So sitting in my vulnerability and reaching out was hard. Well said. <laughs> party last night with Misha and her friends and family, and, and talking about cell phones and kids, and uh, how it's almost impossible now not to get a young child a phone or a tablet or something, because everybody has one and it's just sort of expected, and yet that is now even earlier training for uh, children, small people, to, to be in their brains and experience a lot of their uh, 
their sensations through their minds instead of their senses. And that's why, I mean, there's a great book, it's a John Kabat-Zinn about coming to our senses, and it's about mindfulness. And so, in addition to mindfulness, there are many new modalities that are designed to get people out of their brains. And I've practiced a few, and I'm, I'm a leader in one called Forest Therapy, and with a, a woman in Ireland, we co-founded a group, and with Ramola as well. And uh, the very beginning of one of these walks is to get people to close their eyes, because our eyes are often associated with our brains. Uh, sight, sight is, because we see things and we start to think. Um, but for some wonderful reason, when you close your eyes, and you do what Jocelyn did, you start with breath, then it's almost like that child that that woman was carrying in the mirror. And I just realized that she was carrying a child which was herself, right? And maybe you got that earlier when I said that, but I thought she was carrying a child. She was really carrying herself. But uh, that child is then accessed. And the, the senses open up pretty quickly, and people have the opportunity uh, to go through a movement to go through life uh, with the other senses being alive as well, in addition to our brains. And so that's another big part of our, our time, is, is getting out of our brains, because that access, the gut feeling, all of the, the instincts that we have inside have been largely covered up, especially for the last few generations. And that's, uh, that's a big part of my work, I think, the rest of it, from here on in. Thank you guys so much for sharing. So I think we'll move now into um, into our little, our smaller circles so that every, everyone can really have a chance to participate today and share. Um, and so we'll make four circles, I guess, with probably about five or six people in each. Um, and so if we maybe just focus on each corner of the room. Um, and again, we'll just be trying to focus on practicing these guidelines of, of connection. Um, and just invite you if you'd like to share uh, about what your experience is so far. Um, you could talk about uh, maybe some ideas that you might have for the group. Anything that is on your heart that wants to be expressed and shared today. Um, and so again, the time the shares will be timed three minutes, and that's just it's just a practice to try and make sure that there's enough time for everybody to share. It's not about cutting anybody off, or we all have great ideas to share, and hopefully we'll have enough time to continue sharing going forward. And then after that, we'll come back together, and we'll just close um, this discussion, um, and then we'll just have time to get to enjoy each other and refreshments um, for, for kind of as long as we like. So that's just to give you a heads up about the next few steps. So. Um, I'd invite you to just congregate maybe in each of the four corners of the room. During the next 30 minutes, the circle broke out into smaller groups around the room to practice co-creating a generative community conversation, sharing about themselves and what they desire to explore through the Conscious Community Cafe. During this time, a raging ice storm knocked down a huge pine tree just outside and the power went out for the rest of the gathering but the warmth and cohesion of the community was already so strong that we barely even noticed, and all the groups continued on unfazed. The room became more intimate in the natural afternoon light, and the huddled groups nudged in ever closer to listen carefully to each other's sharing. The time passed so quickly. Groups had more sharing in them, but alas, it was time to close the circle and enjoy all the delicious treats we brought to share with each other. This moment now is just an opportunity for us to, to close the sort of circle that we've created here of conversation. And of course, you're welcome to stay and to enjoy refreshments and to continue the conversations that you're having um, and to know that uh, a recording of the conversation that happened before you broke out into smaller groups, um, we'll hope to put that on the meetup group and we'll try to make sure to distribute that so that everybody um, can have access to that and welcome you to share it with anybody who you think might be interested. Um, and I suppose for myself, I, I just wanted to focus this moment as an opportunity to share gratitude. Um, and so I'll say that I'm deeply grateful that you're each here. Um, it means so much to me that we're having these conversations and I'm just honored and really grateful that you've chosen to make this a priority today and taken this time to share and I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better.
Did anybody else have any thoughts or gratitudes they wanted to share before we, we close out? Or questions? Yeah. I really want to say I hope that I really appreciate everybody involving themselves in our groups. Everybody comes from a different place of comfort and learning, and it's so beautiful <coughs> when people are taking turns to just talk about some of this. And whether the recording becomes a springboard to have these continued conversations in your own communities, or as we continue them and we get to have become you know deeper together and talk about these things, I'm very appreciative of everybody coming and participating. What comes up for me is the, the hero with a thousand faces. When you get in a group like this and you meet just a few people and hear the insight and the stories, it, it's um, you know it's so much strength and, and uh, uh, leadership exists in, in the small room in our group and, and I'll be thinking about them and uh, just to say we really would love your feedback about uh, what this experience uh, maybe brought to you, whether or not it's something you would want to do again or, or what felt like a limitation to you if that, that was there um, because I'm sure in some instances that's part of it too and uh, we would, we would want to know about all of it. Go ahead, yeah. Thank you for holding the space for this. Mm -hmm. The time feels right for something like this. Thank you so much for your attention and listening in to this gathering and supporting this project through your service, through participating, listening, and joining us physically or virtually. We'll be confirming the next gathering date shortly through the Conscious Community Cafe Meetup and Facebook group. We deeply appreciate your time and attention in listening and would love to hear your feedback about these recordings and the gatherings. Please keep in touch. We love you. Your presence and radiance matter in the world. Take care.